Welcome to the next where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore and we next it. I'm Justin Hartung. And I'm Fanny Darling. As always, a quick warning. We talk about spoilers sometimes, but we always try and let you know that they're coming. This episode, we saw The Lost City, a.k.a. Romancing the Stone, plus Tatum Heine. Alright, a plea to rate and review us wherever you are able to do such things. It helps people find us. We appreciate it. Um, love your feedback. Go for it. Um, <laughs> what feedback? So, we saw The Lost City, I think. Um, we did! <laughs> yeah, we did. I, that's a thing that is in our AMC a list history. Um, preamble, uh, disclosure. Preamble! <laughs> There may have been some drinks on my part. Well, on both our parts, but there may have been some extra drinks Mostly on my yours. part. Um, okay, so the plot of this thing. Xander Bullock and Channing Tatum. Tatum? Channing? T- t- yeah. It's Channing um, Tatum! They star in this 80s throwback action romance comedy. Uh, Bullock plays a successful Harlequin-style adventure romance author who gets pulled into a real-life adventure worthy of one of her books. That sounds straight from the logline, but I wrote that myself. Um, Channing Tatum plays her Fabio-like cover model who follows her on the adventure and has to step into the hero role, despite the presence of Brad Pitt playing a sort of real over-the-top hero. Um, We'll get into that. We're going full spoilers because, let's face it, you know what happens in this movie. (laughs) And if you haven't seen it, you aren't going to see it. If you have seen it, then you don't care about spoilers. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can do very quick, I guess. Would you recommend seeing Lost City? No spoilers. Yes, if you are super, super bored and you're expecting kind of nothing but mindless, not even that much fun. I did not hate this as much as you hated this. I did not escape to the bathroom to complain about this movie. I also did not remember this movie five minutes later. I think that here's my sort of like post, you know, whatever. It's been a week and a half now. Um, I think I was more excited about it going in because of the trailer yes. I thought looked like a fun throwbacky kind of thing and I just was sort of like laughing and enjoying it for the first half it was mostly working and then it just to me mostly just squandered the potential it's by no means a bad movie it's mediocrity sort of pissed me off in ways that I probably should have just seen coming is this a theme do we set the theme uh something that happens a lot I sort of wanted Something better, because I don't think it necessarily works as an action movie. It doesn't really work as a uh, comedy very well at all, I'd say. I actually think it works best as sort of a romance That's movie. That's what it is. These two have great it's chemistry. It's a romance Yeah, movie. but I feel like when you're investing in those kind of movies so... This I is a good genre like conversation. I have decided it was this movie, no. and so I'm mad. No, when you're doing okay, a, when you're doing a four quadrant or whatever they say in the Hollywood speak of like like you need to treat the action but, and the comedy as seriously as the romance. Okay, but they didn't pitch this really. I mean, it's pitched as a romance. It's a romance movie. I mean, this is a really again an interesting question because I think romance when it's attached to anything it dominates 
right. the entire marketing thing and probably the script supervision and everything about it when it doesn't always This have was supposed to. to be for people of Sandra Bullock's age who want to think that Channing Tatum would love them. And Channing Tatum would probably be kind to them because he's Channing Tatum and he seems like a real nice guy. But most people of Sandra Bullock's age don't look like Sandra Bullock. So that's what this movie was... A romance. Yeah. And it was for those people. And I will get into it in a bit here. I immediately thought, well, it was no Romancing the Stone. I watched some of Romancing the Stone, and I will follow up with that later. We're going to go full spoilers here. Um, one, um, leech on uh, Tatum butt to leech on Tatum butt. Were there a three? lot of leeches. Uh, there were a lot of leeches. Um, they were all on his butt. Okay. Spoilers. Um Okay, other things to talk about in this. Uh, I don't know what else to talk about about this. It just, I don't, the fact that we could not remember the basic, like, inciting incident that gets her there, that's a problem. A movie shouldn't. It took me 30 seconds to remember. Yeah, but it's all 30 seconds. It did take a minute. Also, 30 seconds is not a minute. We got to talk about the elephant in the room that is Bullock's face. I, I know this is so. I've been thinking about this and like how I'm going to talk like, about this. Because I'm not going to talk about I know. her face. So you go ahead because I'm um, not even going to respond. Because I obviously understand the pressures of Hollywood and whatever. If you're in, if you're a comedic actor, who what is kind of what she's known at now, and also just even a romance actor, and you can't express anything in your face. And I, I'm sorry, Van, I'm going to call you out here. You've said the same shit about Nicole Kidman's face. Um, for some reason, Sandra gets a pass, but no. Nicole doesn't. Um I said I it's 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 a little bit more. I've also said she's really able to do whatever she wants with it and it's super her choice, but I do think that that she's it, yes, she has frozen her face so she can't express things. Yeah. It makes me more than anything just sad for women in Hollywood that there's this expectation and maybe maybe men do it and I don't notice it. Yes, that's another men whole do conversation. It all the time, actually. Um but maybe that I don't know. If there's something so about Sandra Bullock that I do one of the things I love about her is she's just very always like present in a way as a as a screen actor. And in this movie I felt like her face was digitally like imposed on the body of Sandra Bullock. Like I just didn't I had a lot of trouble just kind of connecting to her as a, a character in this. Um, it was weird. I, I, I usually don't care about this stuff, but I, f- I don't know. It bothered me in this. I don't know why. Um, but both of them, I will say, I think were very charming. Acted their butts off <laughs> um, in general. Yeah, uh, they're Chan- both very charismatic people. So. Channing Tatum does this really interesting thing, um, which is, I don't know, probably other people have done this. But in this sort of modern age of romantic comedy adventure, whatever, he really, like, plays the straight man in some ways, the dumb, like, straight guy. And he's kind of funny, but he mostly sort of, like, lets his female Mm -hmm. sort of co-actors do their thing and gives them space and sort of... Sort of does every all of his bits sort of in service of their performances. Oh, absolutely. Which, that's a new thing. really awesome. And I think... I think that probably has a lot to do with his history as an erotic dancer and being oh, in female clubs and yeah. make knowing how to make 
women feel as if they, you know, this is why women of Sandra Bullock's age who don't look like Sandra Bullock feel that maybe he, because he gives that to them, you know, and he has that feeling of he's, he sees you no matter if you look like Sandra Bullock or not. He, he manages to make you feel as if he would talk to you. Yeah. Like the interactions that you've, that I've seen with him in other ways too. And I, and I believe this probably has something to do with being an erotic dancer. That's really interesting theory. I think his, his dumb, hot, but sort of like, yeah, jokes on him, but he's also sort of there. It's right. really well, and I don't think he's dumb. No, no, right? Yeah. But he plays that. No, sort I know of, he does, yeah. but I really. Not, don't. But he also doesn't even just play dumb. It's sort of like the sort of dumb on the surface. But right. it was like he's just really interesting. I'm surprised. Yeah. No, I by really him. like him. Yeah, and, and also I, I loved their chemistry together. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the face thing. I'm not going to deny that I have in the past, but not since I have taken my stance of the media is not going to make me judge other women. And that's become a really important thing to me. And so I, I do think that it's that, that, that when I've said it, it's much more of why do they feel like they need to freeze their face, which I think was your point. But it's also I've this this I am not going to let the media make me turn on other women thing has become super important to me. I can hate Nicole Kidman for a lot of other reasons, not the least of it, which is, you know, heartbreak feels good here. Right. Like I'm mad about all of that. But I'm not going to do it because Hollywood made her do stuff to her face. Fair enough. And also, like, I really, like, want to like Sandra Bullock. Like, she's so good. Right. And so this should And I do like Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to move on from that. Okay. Um, but... <laughs> I just wanted to clarify that because you're not wrong. Yeah. But that is very much... That's been... In the last year and a half, that's become super important to me. So that's all. The other thing I'll say is this is a nice... Well, we didn't talk about Daniel Radcliffe. We should sort of talk about him. I didn't. Speaking think he was of a doing great weird things with your face, villain. <laughs> I I like Radcliffe. No, I do too. And I don't mean that he did anything surgically. Yeah. He was just really, you know, tearing up the scenery. He was chewing a lot. Yes. It just didn't. Yeah. It didn't work. All the I, little pieces of it just didn't work. It wasn't bad. I was never miserable. But right. I found, and I actually felt like the audience sort of was with this movie for the first half, and then it was just like, oh, that's all you got? Everything kind of just dried up for the second half. And I, um, you know, look, Radcliffe, I love that this is the stuff that he's that he's like, I don't ever have to fun. work again. I don't have to do nothing. I'm going to put my money toward good stuff, and I'm going to do the things I really enjoy, and I don't care if Try I'm good. Try something or, new. So I respect the hell out of that. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but no, he wasn't great. <laughs> no. And, and mostly just miscast. I just yeah. don't think it was a... They didn't think enough about who would the villain be for these two people. Like, it right. just didn't. Right. They were just like, oh, maybe he could be. Because I yeah. think it was supposed to be sort of a Murdochy type yeah. family that he was. Yeah. And he had a couple of good lines, but it was not. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about this? I did like it that she really liked cheese. She did like cheese. Yeah, and the, that they tried to lure her with cheese. And I get that because I would be lured by cheese. There was a cute song at the end which samples the Tom Tom Club, um, which is like now apparently a big hit. And I'm like, oh my God, we're doing this song again? Um, which I'm right happy for the Tom Tom Club getting that check. Um, <laughs> so I did, as I mentioned, come out of it thinking, ah, there's no romancing the stone, like, which to me is like... And and going back and watching Romancing the Stone, it's clear they were like, I mean, this is every Harlequin book, but it's clear that they flipped the energy of Romancing the Stone, which is sort of like, 
sort of meek, mild, whatever, like, you know, Harlequin writer woman and this kind of tough macho guy who's sort of very Michael Douglas character. Um, And so they tried to flip the script on that, which I appreciate. But also, I think the one thing that I did think about when I was watching Romancing the Stone is Michael Douglas having that very cliche treasure of Sierra Madre, African queen, like sort of gruff asshole. You know, those are both Humphrey Bogart, right? Yeah. Okay. Just, no, no, just, but that's the okay. archetype of those movies. Right. Okay. I get what yeah. you're saying. I was yeah. just lost there for a minute. Everybody's riffing yep. on those kind of things yep. all the time. And while I appreciate Lost City's attempt to sort of like swap it or subvert it, I think maybe like that tension of like two people that are, really mismatched and, and that whatever the romantic trope we've talked about it on the podcast before it doesn't it's enemies to lovers enemies to lovers right it didn't work as well in lost city and i will say for all of romancing the stones crazy racist like not very funny not great action either it does get the romance part of it a little right. better so part of that's also just like man kathleen dinner she just sizzles uh she is wow. I, I mostly I really enjoyed watching her and Holland motherfucking Taylor. Holland motherfucking as her Taylor. best friend, the publisher. Which do you remember that role at all? I didn't yes, remember I do. it. I um, love Holland Taylor so much. So funny to see her like looking young, but also kind of the same age playing yeah. the same role. Um, yeah, it's I, I did not make it the whole way through *Romancing the Stone*. That's what I'll say. So all of this has been a good lesson in me, sort of checking my nostalgia and like you know really i don't know it's sort of like you're young and you appreciate different things and you go into other movies you go into romantic comedy looking for different things and sort of seeing meeting the movie where it is as we like to say a lot um is important and something i'm not always good at so if nothing else lost city i thank you for that Okay, what else did you see? Um, I watched Freed, and I forgot to talk about this a few weeks ago. God, I feel like it was a few months ago at this point. Uh, this is a an Australian... I have a mix from a few months ago, so oh, we can, can catch up. Totally. Um, this is on HBO Max. It is an Australian... I mean, basically, if I'm just going to like you know do the picture, it's the Australian Shameless. It's like a family... This woman, played by uh, Sarah Kendall, who's an Australian comic... She grew up in this sort of podunk town in Australia, Newcastle, which is, she loves to tell everybody, is like a suburb of Sydney. And everybody's like, it's not a suburb of Sydney. <laughs> like, it's really podunk. It's on the beach. It's beautiful. I don't know why she keeps complaining about it. But everybody's sort of kooky and drunk and murdery and <laughs> shady and whatever. Wow. And so, you just threw murdery in there. <laughs> yeah, it gets a little murdery. Um, and... She basically is somebody who's fled this town and moved to England and married this fancy pants uh, English barrister guy who dies very right, quickly. Right, and she has to go back. Okay, I have seen the, okay, I've yeah. seen the previews for this. Yeah. Right, right, right. Did you watch the first one with no. me? No. Okay. It is so funny and delightful. I mean, it's like, if you like Shameless, you're going to love this. Uh, Sarah Kendall is so funny trying to sort of like hold up her like, sort of hoity-toity, like, fake British accent that everybody keeps calling her on. And it's just like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Um, And it gets sort of progressively, like, sillier and more violent, which, you know, not my favorite thing. It sort of 
does have, in my opinion, kind of the shameless problem of like, we just got to go darker. And you're just like, everything was fine. These characters are great. Right. You don't need to go darker. Um, but she's great. Her kids, she has these kids that she has from this stuffy English marriage. And it's sort of about them finding themselves in Australia. Um, she works for this hilariously like douchebag guy who's a really funny character. Her mom is a character. This show's great. It's two seasons. It flies by. Shout out to Philip uh, Kane, guest of the on a previous romance episode, actually, who uh, turned me on to this. Um, it's totally worth watching. I think you'd enjoy it, and it flies right by. Um, I think there's a third season. It definitely ends on a cliffhanger, which we'll get back to. Okay. Um, the Batman, also on HBO Max. I had zero expectations for this movie. Maybe that's why I liked it. Speaking of meeting a movie where it's at and checking your own expectations, um, I was very tired of Batman. I had no interest in seeing any more Batman. I feel like the Zack Snyder Batman movies were just put that fucking bat nail in the back coffin. I was like, I don't need to see any more of this. Um, I did not really care about Robert Pattinson as the new Batman. I still don't know if I totally care about Robert Pattinson as the new Batman. Uh, But this is a beautifully made movie. It's Matt Reeves who did the Planet of the Apes movies, which we both loved. And it is... It's a little sad, gothic emo in the way that the um, Christopher Nolan ones are, but I think it's better because it's not... The the Nolan thing gets a little technical. Right. Like, Michael Mann were making a heat movie, and this is just like silly gothic superhero stuff but actually sort of moving and it, nice i don't know it's too long it's three hours i can't believe i watched the whole thing wow um That's but a just lot. you pace it out and um zoe kravitz is catwoman really fucking good speaking of channing tatum oh what, what's their relationship i don't even know are they they're together oh i didn't know that yeah, at all okay um she's really good in this uh your boy colin farrell is doing some weird shit and some makeup as the penguin um, Jeffrey Wright. Apparently, there were people on set that would talk to him, and like the makeup was actually so good, like without cameras, that they didn't realize it was him. I there's no way I would have known it yeah. was him unless I had read about it. Um, it's kind of it's it's a little silly. I, it's apparently set up for an HBO Max show. I kind of don't know why he's in the movie. The real villain is the Riddler. It's right. um, uh, Paul Dano, who is is. My husband Dave called um, the the new Bud Court because, wow, he is a creepy man-child in this. Um, It's, I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. That's great. Yeah, I was surprised. Uh, Great pottery throwdown. Speaking of things that are decidedly not emo and not gothic and just lovely and wonderful um, energy. Oh, I missed you so much, great pottery throwdown. I have a... So many delightful cries with Keith and the gang as they do their, you know, Raku and their bathroom challenge. And their uh, this show is just like, like whatever the equivalent of is like a little warm bowl of milk for a kitten. I'm just like, <laughs> it just makes me so happy. It makes me so happy about like the world and the people in it. Like how if they can find this many great potters who are also lovely people. For five seasons, and yet we have trouble, like, finding non-assholes as our, like, regular movie stars. We're doing something wrong, everybody. Great pottery throwdown. Start making pottery. (laughs) Exactly. These potteries apparently just good for people, because it makes people so wonderful. Um, The cast this year includes AJ, who is a non-binary, like, youngest person they've ever had, who 
fucking kicks ass. That's all I'm going to say on that. And as such a unique pottery perspective, um, there's also a woman who is uh, black who sort of brings her sort of racial identity into um, her pottery. And that's something that seems so simple and obvious. And yet it brings everybody to tears constantly because she's just like, yeah, I don't see this in pottery and this is what I'm doing. Um, it's Aww. so good. I love the show so much. I tore through it. I'm so sad that I'm out of episodes. No. Books for you. I've read two books since we last talked. Uh, one is very short. Uh, Grown Up by Gillian Flynn, who wrote Gone Girl. Gillian. Gillian. Um, it is a very fun, very silly, fast novella about a super evil kid, um, which is also another segue into something we'll talk about yeah. later. Uh, the baby. Um, I really enjoyed this. I have never read anything by her and didn't know what to expect. This is a short really ridiculous fast little horror read i loved it um the woman in black you've um, never read this no really yeah i'm kind of surprised i've seen i think both movies yeah but i don't know why the first movie's scary the second one's silly but the first one is tv movie scary the tv movie that was on like pbs yeah yeah no i did rewatch that as part of this and it's not quite the book is good because i think the book describes really well um, speaking of Daniel Radcliffe, who's in the, the remake, um, sort of that that adrenaline slash curiosity that is attached with panicky horror feelings mm-hmm. so well, almost better than any horror book I've ever read of like, you can't look away from something because you're so trying to wrap your head around right. what it is. I mean, sort of Lovecraft mm-hmm. always does that, but this does it in a really fun, poppy way. I can't believe it was written in 1983. It's so... Right. I really could have read it and assumed it was like an actual vintage oh, old yeah, ghost story. Yep. Um, I liked this a lot. It was super fun. Um, I finally... I have a song for us. We're going to go early on this. Um, this is Sprints, a band I stumbled onto. I keep laughing about... Uh, I don't know. I, I keep trying to come up with the name, like UK Rant Punk. Uh, but this band's actually from Dublin. I'm like, yeah, because um, they... But it's the whatever the larger kingdom is called these days, um, that continent. It's Ireland. <laughs> I, because yeah. they're not part of, because UK is. I know, but that area, that area of the world is putting out, there's bands like Idols, Wet Leg, Dry Cleaning. They're all from that area, we'll call it. Um, it's mm. a sort of speak, ranty, kind of rant punk. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> um, Sprints is the band. How does the story go? Uh, let's listen to it for a minute. You're the extrovert, I'm the introvert, and that's the rules. Then I'm the extrovert, you're the introvert, and swapping goes. And the car is stopped, and the house is packed, and I want to go home. And we've spoken every day for eight years, and what do I do when you're gone? And everybody's got time. Everybody seems to have so much time. Everybody seems to have so much time. Okay, that was Sprints. Uh, you like that, Fanny, right? I did That's like, like that, yes. Yeah. It's good, fun, punky energy, but like catchy and dancey. It's so just in my lane. I love it. Um, also, I love any song that talks about introverts and extroverts and yep. pulls it off. Um, all right, should we talk about some things we both saw? Sure. Moon Knight. Moon Knight. We are, 
up to episode four. Four. Two so left. Two left. Yep. How are you digging Moon Knight? I really think Moonlight's great. I really, I am absolutely loving it. I think the entire cast is great. We will talk about that in a minute, I'm sure. I, I think this is smart. I think it's layered. I think it's paying attention to what it's saying and doing and plotting and leaving clues. I love it. I just think it's great. What do you think? I like it. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see if they land it. Sort of, yeah. you know, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I feel I, like... especially at the end of episode four, I was, I was, I'm with it. I was with it anyway. End of episode four, I was, yeah, yeah. I was, I am here for it. I continue to enjoy Stephen, who's the sort of in the comics, I guess, the sub kind of personality that's not as I mean, prominent. Yeah, um, he is, but, but he's, he's also a... way different in the comics, right? He's like a movie producer. Oh, is he? Yeah, I don't even he's know that. rich. Okay. Yeah. He's, I just, I'm delighted by yeah, um, Isaac, uh, Isaac? Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac doing um, like just fun, fumbly, yeah. bad British accent, which so, is so clearly now kind of a bad British accent. Well, I think yeah. We talked about this at the beginning and it's like, oh, they're doing all of that really well. Um, I continue to also think Ethan Hawke is still boring. I just do not care a whit yes. about Ethan Hawke. It's fine. Um, I think he's doing a really good actual version of a David Koresh type of cult leader, and I think he's doing a very good job. But I think he's a talented man. He, I half the time he irritates the hell out of me in real life, but I think he's a very talented actor, and I think he's doing a good job here. I think he's doing a subtle job, but I think he's doing very well. Yeah, it's fun, and I think it. Again, we've talked about this with the Marvel shows. It gets the it feels like a comic book like each yep. episode feels very like uh paced well i think it's paced well i've heard oh, some, yeah, i've heard a lot of people saying they don't think it's paced well and i'm like this is like um, wandavision it has a good sense of pace per episode it's I like agree. that was the beginning of an episode and an end of an episode yep. where i feel like some of the and other then there's ones 10 not... minutes of, of, of credits yes <laughs> um yeah. Any theories? What's what's going I on? I don't care about that part. Yeah. Which we will talk about in our next thing. It's true. I, like I don't. I like reading like theories and stuff, but I'm also very happy to just let stuff. And I like paying attention to the minutia and wondering what it means. But I'm also very happy just to let stuff happen. I so. I'm with you on on that with this show because it doesn't it doesn't it, for some reason it doesn't hit you over the head with like you better pay attention to the puzzle box. It's just sort of like the puzzle box and stuff. It's there in the background, but it's mostly just like a fun Indiana Jonesy, right. like whatever sort of fantasy Stargate, whatever. Like I will posit that most things lay like, I don't know. Most things that I like specifically our next topic. I don't think that they hit you over the head with that either. I think that's the world that like the, the, however the public takes it. Have we um, laid some runway to talk about Severance? Yeah, I think we have. Yes, yes. Watch Moon Knight. It's fun. We'll talk more about it in two weeks when it's, when it's ended. Totally. But, uh, yeah. Severance ended. Um, are we going to go spoilers? I, yeah, I, mean, I think we have to. It's been a f- couple weeks. It's, it's such it's a been good at least show, though, that okay. I feel like so many people I know have not okay. seen it Okay, and that's fine. It. So scrub so. past this. Yeah. It's ended. We both really enjoyed it. There's not really a way to have the rest of our discussion without going into spoilers. 100%. So scrub past. And watch the show. Yeah, Just watch, watch it. I yeah, mean, it's You great. will not be sorry. Yeah. Scrub past. Give us five, six minutes. Yeah. Tops. <laughs> so the finale. Yes. Um, yeah. I Which was know. a season finale. Yes. Of a 
television show. Which they, during the sort of show where they're like, we haven't been renewed, like, they sort of talked, they always play that game up. Yeah. It's a thing. And they um, announced it. And the it, story stands by itself. It does. Um, they didn't say that. I mean, they did. They did bit. not yeah. say that. And you also, I think I told you this, that one Mr. Ben Stiller, who, by the way, did a fucking great job of the yes. show and surprised the heck out of me. And just because he had, of course he knows where the story goes, Justin. There was an entire extra yes. episode okay. that he considered that he told the, sh- the show creator to, to next. Because the show creator, okay. as a writer, knew that there should be a beginning and an and end. And there was a beginning <laughs> and an end, and it left it... On this, okay, so they know where the rest of the story goes. So the fuck what? They knew who killed JR, too. Uh, that's not the point. Not it's a I, season I finale. For that well, reason. that's fine, but it's not lazy writing, and it's not. there's nothing wrong with ending a season finale of television that is traditionally left with many questions, specifically so that you will tune back in just because you know how it ends, there's no need that you have to tell everybody else how it ends. I'm going to throw this back to having been burned by Lost culture, by Buffy culture, even by X-Files culture. Let me finish. Um, where it the, th- the theorizing ran so rampant because it sort of always ended in these like teasy like the worst teasy sort of ways of like we've dropped these like breadcrumbs at the 11th hour and then we're just gonna like chop it off and then everybody ran wild and it was never as satisfying as a all the theories that everybody had and b it's just like i would much rather really see an arc of a season like a season to me of good tv should really be a theme in itself that begins and ends. So if you didn't watch any out more of it, this is why I just sort of like this sort of like British approach often. It's just sort of like that. It is just a style thing. I just don't like this never ending hamster wheel of teas of like okay. polar bears on random islands. And you okay. know. first off, that's fine. It can just be a style thing. Secondly, then don't, Read all the fucking thing, the things, and just go with it. That is the third. I've, I've decided to do it. This third, show. it hasn't had time to disappoint you and do things on Lost. So you, uh, with fucking polar bears and shit. <laughs> also, I never lost watch Lost, so I don't care that it hurt you. But it's goats are the new polar bears, people. <laughs> I actually think the goats will be resolved, and I actually trust the way that they've done enough. And I do think they gave you enough of an information. We know. There was plenty of things that, that they resolved. They left some things unresolved. We don't know what's going to happen when now they're about to all switch back to their Audis. And they don't know what happened. You know, Yes, here comes Adam Scott saying she's alive. You know that everybody outside has enough information that that's not going to just go away. We don't know what Lumen does. Okay. We got a full story. We got them coming all the way around and realizing it and, and creating their Audis. We got full stories about John Turturro and Christopher Walken. Now we know more information, so how's that going to resolve? But we didn't – there wasn't anything that wasn't full enough that that's a good story. Yes, it left on a cliffhanger because that's what season finales do. And my guess is just because Ben Stiller knows and he said to pull it back – 
I would put that one way on more on Apple TV saying, oh, no, 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 we know we're renewing you and we know we've got a hit. You're not giving that last episode, which is fine. But that's yeah. not lazy writing. Just because they know how it ends and they haven't told you, that's not lazy writing. I take, I take super I, – I think that's, that's not lazy writing. The writing the entire time was good. I take exception with that because just because they're not giving it all to you doesn't mean they're lazy. Yeah, we'll see. If if the season premiere, this will be a great test. If the season premiere starts and it's like, wow, you clearly had no idea what you're doing with this. And this show shits the bed in season two, which I think is highly like a possibility. Then I will stand in my ground and if, I will concede to you if I feel like, okay, the plan was here and they just held it back. I, I definitely The have... fact that he had a whole episode that he didn't give them makes me think I'm right and you're wrong. We'll see. We'll talk also, in season two. I don't remember who the podcaster was that said it, but I take issue and I am insulted on John Totoro's <laughs> behalf. There was a podcaster that said, I, I don't know how they managed to, she was very young, how they managed to make you care about John Totoro and Christopher Walken's romance when these are men that are both well into their 70s. Somebody... First off, that's insulting. Of, poor pe- of course, people way into their 70s, Christopher Walken being one what? of them, can have a romance. But secondly, John Tuftoro is 65 years old. What podcast is this? I can't remember. Why did you it was not some burn recap. it down? I, oh, I didn't listen anymore after that. <laughs> it was some like severance recap talking about theories. Podcast. I was Okay. So also, I want to say good things after I've ranted. The Tuturo Walken romance is... The sweetest, happiest romance so I've ever good. seen. Uh, I these are two people that growing up, I never. If somebody had said, "Just hang on, kid," Christopher Walken and John Turturro are going to be in a romance in a garden, trying to decide if they should kiss or not. Just hold on, that will be on TV well, if they, you just wait it out. Well, they hold hands, <laughs> and it's just so wholesome. Yeah, it's uh, so good. Um, and quote, uh, you know. A rules book together. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. I do hope they... I forget his name. The guy that figures out he has the kid. I do hope they sort of flesh that story out a little more. I feel like I he's been sort going. of... Yeah. I think um, they're going to. Especially since he was like the hero of the last episode. And yeah. I love it that he didn't break when the the man... The, the mean guy was right. so good. When when he was saying, you have two more kids and I'll tell you about them. And, and There's... Man, it is funny. I've been... I, like. Where did Lost touch you? It is that whole episode was so lost. There's so much lost in that final episode that it. I think it really brought up deep trauma. Yeah, and so. good for good for you for not watching Lost. Um, let's leave it that way because um, it'll desert you. Um, You've tried before to convince me to I watch know. it. It's there's a lot of great things about watch it, it, but yeah. Watch it. So you watch Shining Veil vale for me. Oh. I finished it. Let's talk about what you thought. <laughs> I only made it to... Like one and a half, right? Yeah. Did I even finish the second episode? You did not. No. This show was terrible. Um, confusing, right? <laughs> I mean, just like, again, what is it? Like, what is the genre? Not scary. It feels like a show that would have been on, like, CBS and, like, been like, what kind of a spooky show? But we decided we got on cable, so we're going to throw in some F-bombs and, like... But it's and like a graphic sex scene or two, yeah. Yeah, it's not scary. It's not funny. The cast looks sort of generally like repulsed by each other. All of them. Um, I yeah, just, these people hate each other. Yeah, um, did not like it. Now I finished it. Doesn't get better. Doesn't yeah. get any less confusing. Don't understand. What it like? Why is it called Shining Veil? Vale? Like, did that's anybody the name watch of the, the town. show? Yeah, okay. that's the name of the town. I know. But why. like, what at the very end? 
I mean, that's the name of the town. Okay. So I don't know how to give you any other explanation except okay. that's the name of the town. Um, at, do you want to know how it ends? Sure. So the spoilers the, for Shining Veil. Vale. The Sorry, demon or ghost that is played by Mira Sorvino, who's the only person in the show that's like doing anything worthwhile. Um, like she takes over Courtney Cox's body and has sex with a bunch of guys and makes her do a bunch of other stuff and things happen. At the end, she drives Courtney Cox basically to act so irrationally that they commit her. And then it turns out that the house had been a mental institution for hysterical women. And they did like a shining thing. Hence shining. Got it. Okay. That's helpful. Where they have a picture and Mira Sordovino is in it. And she was one of the nurses at the crazy home, but maybe she was also a 1950s housewife who murdered her family. We don't know. Is this a show that's going to continue? God, I hope not. (laughs) What happened to the kids? They were okay. Just fine. Nothing they were fine. Interesting happened. Yeah, okay. Grayson, uh, Grayson, the 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 slutty reformed girl may run away with her boyfriend because her the boyfriend's mom killed himself, and this was you know one that made her take a vow of celibacy. And the the other kid really likes VR and has a friend now. It is so tonally all over. the Oh, place. and in the VR, there was one of the ghosts helped the boy, the son, oh, right. like help them. It was clear that he was talking to somebody in that. Yeah, yeah. it was Anyways. like one the murdered kid. Oh, that show. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about this last thing. What's the last thing? Oh my good lord! <laughs> oh, the baby. Yeah, sorry, I saw you had more. I thought it was Shining Veil, the baby. No, um, the baby. Yes, a show we both randomly stumbled on, apparently, on our own without talking about it at all. It was going to be my assignment to you for this week to watch it and tell me. This is a British show. I don't know who the creators are. I haven't done any research, but it is about a woman who is a chef who basically decides that all of her friends having babies are horrible people. She's horrible to them. She is then very ridiculously stuck with a baby who falls out of the sky, quite literally. Um, And the baby is evil and makes people die. Like, either they kill themselves or some mojo happens. Creepy baby, but it's also super cute and grins at people. Yeah. What did you think of the baby? Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I don't know. I don't, but Parker and I just kept sitting there going, this is this creepy baby. And, but then we'd laugh, but then the baby had a weird creepy face and like she could breastfeed it, but then it was a dream. Bitter I, boob, right? I don't, yeah, but it was a dream. Uh, Justin, what happened? So Help. I super appreciate somebody making, this is a shout out to my dear friend, Marisa, who also hates babies. I'm a baby hater. Um, and so I, I did you re- say that, but you don't hate babies when I you're did, actually around them. I did relate to this show. I was like, I see what you're doing, show, with the babies. Like- <laughs> see, I think I actually hate babies more than you. You, like, pretend you hate babies, and I'm, like, you know, a parent and shit. But actual babies, I'm not that interested in. You're like, look at that cute baby. Uh-huh, I'm moving on. You do. Um, it's and this, happened. I will say, this baby is a superstar. This it's baby so cute, is isn't so it? funny and <laughs> hilarious, so hilarious and just stares and you're just like, are you going to kill somebody? Are you going to smile? And it's then it goes, cute. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't, I was curious about this. I might yeah. keep watching. I, I will say, I was like, if this is just the joke and it's just going to do this over and over again. I don't again, think it is. Um, but 
it was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, Dave was very upset by that house at the bottom of the cliff. He was like, how did they get there? Why? Like, how did she fall? The fu- baby like- fell out of the sky, dude, and <laughs> maybe bit her boob off. Yeah. It's like this, you're asking the wrong question. He was questions. really upset about that Airbnb and was not a fan of, he would never have rented that Airbnb. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> it, uh... Yeah, it was kind of funny, though. We were both like, that was weird. Do we want to watch more? We're like, maybe. Well, there later. is only one. No, really? Yeah, there's only one. Okay, but it's going to drop. It's going to drop week. more. Okay. But yeah, there, we couldn't have kept going. Because I would have kept going because I was so <laughs> befuddled that I was like, okay, good. And it's like, no, you may not have another one. You must wait a week. There's a fun element of watching the main character just trying to ditch this baby. Like, that made me laugh a lot. <laughs> like, when, they fi- when she's finally, like, been arrested or gone to the nut house or whatever, and then they bring the baby into her, and they're like, it won't stop crying. And she's like, and? <laughs> it's pretty funny. I, I definitely did laugh a lot. It reminded me a lot of The Cat Came Back. It has some right. of that vibe Absolutely. of that old kid song. Yes. Yep. Um, all right, what else did you see? Oh, okay. I watched The Ultimatum and Selling Sunset because, as I said on our premiere calendar, a.k.a. Fanny is a garbage person. These are bad shows on um, Netflix. The Ultimatum is about a bunch of people who give their partners ultimatums about you have to marry me or we're breaking up. And so they put them in a place where then they all date other people. They have trial marriages with other people wow and then they have their they go back and do a trial marriage with each other and then they either have to get married or break up or go with the other person yeah this is trash this is the love is blind people spinoff with and nick and nick and vanessa lachey host it this is trash i watched it don't watch it just watch love is blind needs more pottery yeah it needs more pottery (laughs) selling sunset i've talked about selling sunset before this is a terrible show about terrible fake real estate agents you know they're supposed to be it's supposed to be reality but these people are not actually selling real estate and um and all of the drama and it is so fucking watchable and so bad and yet every time it drops i sit there and watch all the episodes <laughs> and then it ended and they were like oh you can have a fanat- you can have our reunion in 2 weeks fuck you netflix I will watch it. In two, I will watch the reunion in two weeks. Um, I watched The Deceived, which is not good. It's on Stars. It is three episodes. It has um, Emmett Scanlon, who was in The Butterfly, and Ken, and it takes place in the Irish countryside. The best thing about this is the Irish countryside. But then I got sad that I wasn't in Ireland. Aww. This is kind of a maybe there's something supernatural going on, sort of like modernized, almost Jane Eyre ish okay. thing. They claim there may be a second season. This is not good. Don't watch this. It's cheesy. It's dumb. It's all territory we've seen before. It's like, you know, thriller, gothic thriller. It's not good. Um, Slow Horses on Apple TV. This is um, Gary Oldman's uh, and uh, Kristen Scott Thomas. It's a show about Gary Oldman's character is like the leader of this band of disgraced spies. Um, Olivia, I cannot think of her last name, the one who we never knew was British, who was in Thoroughbreds and Bates Motel. Right. She's in it and she's fucking great. Nice. This show is, it's really funny. Oh, it is. Cool. It's, I mean, it's a good, it's good spy craft, uh, trade craft. It's good. You know, storytelling, but it's also incredibly funny. Oh, well, check it out. Uh, yeah, it's really fun. Uh, Tokyo Vice. I was promised a show that was, and I quote, not about Ansel or Elgort after the first episode. 
I was lied to. Not only should we stop hiring sexual predators, we should stop hiring boring sexual predators. He's just this boring, floppy-haired white guy, but he's playing a white guy in a fish out, you know, like, oh, here I am, I'm really tall with Japanese guys. I realized that this is based on a book written by the floppy-haired white guy that was, a, you know, the first floppy-haired white guy to be hired at, at a very highly regarded newspaper in Japan. I get that it's based on a real thing, but can we stop doing this? Especially, especially when we have Ken Watanabe, which is who this show should be about and who I was promised it was going to be about after the first episode, and it is not about him. I watched three episodes. It was well. I had had my second booster, and I was literally unable to move off my couch yet, let alone remember my own name, or I would have turned it off halfway into the second when I realized that I had been lied to. It was actually about Ansel Elgort being the white savior, floppy-haired sexual predator. Don't watch Tokyo, Tokyo Vice. That is my rant. I don't care if Michael Mann directed the first episode or not. Oh, God. See, I never... That's a sign of, like, I know, skip. but, you know, he makes what? pretty things. He's the... the, 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 the Uber mensch of uh, you know media white floppy yeah. mediocrity yeah. basically yeah he's the heat guy right I'm not crazy yeah. okay yeah. Right. Sorry, I always mess sorry up film Twitter but yeah. I always mess up it. his name with the with the um, transformer guy so that's how good I am that's, at this but also tells you a lot yeah um, I saw the unbearable weight of massive talent I know I'm surprised you didn't leave with that. Well, I had to lead with the shit I didn't like. (laughs) I mean, I've still got some shit I didn't like. I really liked The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. It was quite charming and delightful and funny, and everybody in it was great. Surprise Sharon Horgan. I always like it when a surprise Sharon Horgan shows up. This knows what it is. Nick Cage knows what it is. It is really fun. It made me so happy, and it's very much worth seeing. If you want to see a good film, go watch Pig. Still go watch Pig, I know, Justin. I need to watch Pig. But you want to just have kind of a fun... This is what Lost City wanted to be. This kind of silly, mindless, and yet Not very fun, quickly paced. You know, I, I think you will think there's some pacing issues. It did not bother me, but I could see where you should watch it on your couch so you can get up and go get some candy. Nice. Um... I watched Roar on Apple TV Plus, which I was excited for. This is yeah. the creators of um, of Glow, so they took Glow away from me and handed me this show, which super confuses me. Please watch the first episode it's of an this show. Anthology show. It is anthology. It's sort of speculative. I didn't get through the second episode. The first episode is Issa Rae plays a writer who goes to L.A. and. I think kind of has some things to say about race and and not being seen, but in a very on-the-nose way, and then ends, the episode ends, you want to talk about lazy writing, please watch the first episode of the show and tell me if I'm just jaded, because we need to talk. Um, I will still watch the one with Merritt Weaver. There are still lots of people in this. Maybe it'll come back. I was not impressed. Speaking of not impressed, the first lady on Showtime. Dave watched it. I'm not impressed. (laughs) Dave sort of liked it. I'm not impressed. Dave liked it because it's a period piece that's done very well in the period PC piece. Poor 
now all I can think is Gillian. Poor <laughs> Gillian Anderson trying to talk around her Eleanor Roosevelt teeth and the wig they have on Kiefer Sutherland and Viola Davis's eyebrows as Michelle Obama. And it just... I don't. I don't think it has. I don't know what it's trying to say. That was the thing I heard about it, and I was like, I don't. I don't know what you could do with this. Show I don't understand. I literally yeah. don't know what they're trying to say. You have yeah. incredibly talented people giving decent performances, yeah. but feels like an Emmy clip. Yeah. Clip. Yes. No. It's absolutely <laughs> like it's so much just. Oh, look at these acting people in period costumes doing acting things about famous women that we all like. We all like Betty Ford. She seemed like a minch. Michelle Pfeiffer's playing her in a very delightful way, and she dances around. And I haven't liked Michelle Pfeiffer in years. I think she's very sweet. We all love Eleanor Roosevelt. Elvin, Eleanor Roosevelt, of course, we want to sit next to her and talk to her. And here's, you know, Kiefer Sutherland playing a very nice Franklin Delano, Delano Roosevelt. And everybody loves Michelle Obama. And the and what's his bucket from The Handmaid's Tale? He plays Obama. His accent's not great. <laughs> um, but you still, it's like those two people, even when you're just thinking about the Obamas, all you think about is their chemistry. And this is played well, but I don't know why we're watching the show. I don't understand what the point is. So that's the first lady. Nice. Things I, I finished. <laughs> yeah. I finished We Crashed, The Dropout, and Super Pumped. How you did your well? They all came to the end. Yeah, startup e. Yeah, the, the dropout. Shows. I still maintain was the best of the bunch. Amanda Seyfried rocked that out. So did Naveen Andrews. I maintain if you're going to watch one of these, watch that one. Super- I watched a few minutes of it with Dave, and it seemed enjoyable. Yeah, it's everybody in it is so good, and you get to see Alan Rutt sing fireworks so you should nice. watch the dropout don't bother with recrashed or super pumped all right recrashed Anne hathaway is like is gonna get nominated for an emmy she's nails this performance but it's the whole thing is just so over the top and unnecessary that i don't understand why they made the show um i watched two episodes of the winning season because everybody was talking about it it's not for me. This is the thing about the, the early days of the Lakers with Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and all that that ruined Adam McKay's and Will Fer- Ferrell's friendship and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I watched it. Don't bother. Um, Outer Range, which is on um, Amazon. This is Josh Brolin. It's sort of like a Yellowstone meets Twilight Zone type of thing. Okay. Um, I watched the first episode. It's about this ranch family and Josh Brolin's character basically discovers this like black hole on his land. Okay. And things happen. It's fun. It's beautiful to watch. Okay. I th- it's it's more serious than than what I just said would it, would <laughs> seem to make it. I was, think it needs more attention paid to it than I was willing than I was able to give it, so I have to give it a second episode when I get back. But yes, it was very pretty to look at and I think it was very interesting. Um I'll check this out. why can't I think of who oh Martha Plimpton plays his oh, wife. Okay, I'm definitely gonna check um, this out. Yeah. It's got it. a really yeah. good cast. It just dropped. Okay. Um if you looked at our preview calendar, um <laughs> you would know. Which we will post um, to the world at some yes. point. Gaslit, speaking of people in uh, period costumes doing 1970s things, this is the story about um, Martha, why can't I think of her last name, who 
her husband was a big part of the Nixon administration, okay. and she had some sway over, I think, helping out um, uh, Watergate. Your main people that you want to pay attention to this is Dan Stevens playing John Dean, you know, who finally broke and and, right. and helped bring Nixon down, and Betty Gulpin playing his at this oh, point wow. date. Uh, it turns out, you know, they end up getting married. They are the people to watch in this. And also, if you haven't seen what Dan Stevens wore to the premiere of this show, please go seek it out on Twitter <laughs> or anywhere you can find Dan Stevens in this multicolored. Re- ridiculous outfit that just delighted me nice it's i'm gonna watch more of it but sean penn i need sean penn to just oh yeah go somewhere else anymore um and julia roberts she wants an emmy yeah and she didn't get it for homecoming where she probably should have and so she's doing this but dan stevens and betty gilpin and uh donna champlin who was um in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, played the best friend yeah. whose name I can't remember. She's in it. She's oh, great. Nice to see her again. Yeah, it's, yeah, Check it out. See if you like it. If not, that's fine. I watched Captive Audience on Hulu, which is a um, documentary series about basically the Stainer family, both Stephen and Carrie. I don't know. Do you remember? I, I know my first name is Stephen. Stephen Stainer, uh, I think, had already been kidnapped when we were born. Okay. He was the kid that was that was disappeared for seven years, and then when the, his captor kidnapped another kid, he escaped with that kid. Okay, oh, yeah, um, and that. it was in Merced. Yeah, and then then he after they made the TV series with Cor, Cor, uh, Corin Nemec, um, then I think it was about the Emmys were about to happen and he was killed by a hit and run driver on his motorcycle. Super tragically, he had two small children. 10 years later, it turned out his brother was the Yosemite serial killer. You remember the guy that killed the three? Yeah. Yeah. And that was Carrie Stainer. So this is a depressing thing about this kind of tragic family. Um, I, was always fascinated by Steven Stainer as a kid because I really liked the move, the TV movie. And then I found it so tragic, of course, that he was killed so young. I think he was 24 when he was hit on his motorcycle and he'd only been back since he was 14. So like nine years he was Ugh. home. He was nearly 15 when he came back. Anyway, that, I watched that. And then finally <laughs> Showtime's The Man Who Fell to Earth yeah, um, with Eldefor is- and uh, I can't think of the woman's name who is so good and Bill Nye. And this is a remake of the David Bowie movie? It's not a David. It's no. The man. No, I, I don't think so. I think it's the, it's the day. I think it's movie, it is. But. but I think this is a remake of the day the Earth stood still oh. where the aliens come and try and stand. I, yes, I know that there's the man who fell to Earth. Yeah. I don't know the the. Um, plot of that one i was thinking this is the the day the earth stood still which could be my bad seems like a very similar plot as the day the earth stood still right um i loved this episode i thought it was great i thought the performances were fabulous i thought there was funny but also really touching things i really liked this this is a remake of the david okay it's a novel first yeah i knew it was a novel i just yeah it's a very similar plot in both yeah. things, and I mean, I've never seen. The Bowie movie is really fucking weird and yeah. very non-narrative, okay. anyways. So it's hard to imagine yeah. even like what. Yeah, yeah, I've just always thought of. I just confused the yeah. two, um, and I do think they have similar plots. Right. Um, basically, Alien has come to Earth because 
uh, he thinks or there there's someone on Earth who understands enough of basically fusion. You know, there's basically there's a box and everybody needs the box and the right. box will save both of our worlds. Right. But he has to learn how to communicate with her very quickly. And then anyway, it's great. I really I think it might be brilliant. Nice. It could crash and burn in an episode or two, but yeah. I thought it was really, really good. And I will totally uh, four is doing some amazing work. I love him. The so. woman yeah. whose name I'm so sorry. I cannot Naomi remember. Harris? Her name right. Yes. Yeah. I only know that because it's open and she's yeah. great. She <laughs> is fabulous yeah. in this. And she's she plays so like a, she was a MIT, uh, scientist. And basically it seems like she, what we know so far, she got fucked over and, and ignored. And now she's basically picking up jobs to try and take care of her dying father, who she has to buy pills for in the black market. And she has a girl, a, a little girl. And just, yeah, this nice. is, I'm really enjoying it. Awesome. Okay, I have no homework for you, so let's just talk about where we can talk to people. Please find us on Facebook. You can search for the Knicks podcast. Maybe sweet seek us out on Twitter if it's still there after Elon fucks everything up. They were yeah. at the Knicks podcast right. there. You can send us an email. Email still exists, and Elon doesn't own it, so that's motionthenicks at gmail.com. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Fanny V. Darling. And you can find me momentarily at Justin Hartung until I decide Elon has got to set Don't we rage quit? Exactly. (laughs) And then come back six months later. Yes. Um, All right. We'll talk to you next time. Yes.